Blessed are those who do not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but who delight in the law of the Lord, and meditate on his law day and night. They are like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will be destroyed. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want. I will lift up my eyes to the hills, from where shall come my help. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. O Lord, You have searched me out and know me. So quite an easy question. Where do these all come from? It's the Psalms. Quite an easy start of a 10 this morning. Uh, And especially, you know, if you've read our term cards, you'll know that this morning uh, we're beginning um, a short series looking at, at issues and emotions we encounter through um, the Psalms. And there are 150 psalms, and contained in this book, there's a fair chance that at any one critical point in your life, if a particular scripture comes to mind, there's a fair chance that it comes from this book. Uh, Because the psalms are some of those scriptures which seep into our lives. We find ourselves remembering them and recalling them. They become a part of, of how we cope with situations. And if you're looking for a spiritual discipline for for 2015, memorizing verses of Scripture is an enriching um, discipline to use. And the Psalms are a great treasure trove of encouragement and comfort and challenge. The Psalms are powerful because in this book, which we'll be exploring for a number of weeks, you'll find every possible human emotion on display in a raw and powerful way. The emotions revealed in the Psalms include love and adoration towards God, sorrow over sin and brokenness, dependence on God when life seems to be chucking everything it possibly can at you, the battle between fear and trust, continuing to depend on God and his grace, even when God seems to be far, far away from us. Being thankful for God's care for us and all the blessings that we identify in our lives. Relying on God's word to guide us, to challenge us, to comfort us in all stages of our life. And confidence that the fullness of God's plan for the world will be revealed. 
Did any of those emotions chime with you as I read them out? Have they epitomized any stages of your life? Do they epitomize a stage of your life or a season of your life which you're in right now? Are you in a dark and broken place this morning? Or are you in a thankful and joyous place this morning? There are psalms that reflect those emotions. And and I've got a health warning for you this morning. If you're sitting there and you didn't identify with any of those emotions that the psalm contains, here's my health warning. You're probably dead. None of those things chimed with you in any way or your life whatsoever. You're probably not alive and you, you're, you know, you're either in a very good place or a very bad place depending on situations. <laughs> but there should be crossover between, between the emotions contained in the Psalms. I, I didn't actually mean heaven or hell there, by the way. <laughs> Just to make that clear. Um, The emotions contained in the Psalms interact with our lives. And that's why time and time again, Christians find themselves turning to them. And the Psalms handle all these complex emotions. The rawness, the honesty of anger, of brokenness, of sin, of love, um, of thankfulness. In In the context of praise and worship and adoration of God. John spoke, um, John Martin spoke a couple of weeks ago about encountering Christ in worship. And yet sometimes when we're wrestling with the fullness of our emotions and we seem to be in a place where life seems to be chucking everything at us, it can be a difficult place to worship. Um, Because the thing that's even more frightening than not worshipping and not praying is when you pour your heart out in worship and you lament your soul in prayer and then nothing seems to happen. And that can be the more frightening place to feel that that God is hiding himself from you. And it's something which we find contained in the Psalms. So if we were to do um, a hop forward to Psalm 10, we would read, Why, Lord... Do you stand afar off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? The psalmist in Psalm 10, the author of the psalm, is calling out to God, saying, God, you seem to be distant from my life at the moment. Where are you? And it takes courage to do that. It takes courage because the answer might not be something that the psalmist wants to hear. And yet the psalms that, that express the rawness and pain of these emotions also give us a means of return and response. They allow the reality of the psalmist's lives uh, and through the psalmist's lives our own to be held up to the light and seen by all. The joy and the pain, the thankfulness and the cursing, the times of intimacy with God and the times of being distant from him. And the encouraging thing is that in bearing these emotions before God in prayer and worship and crying out for help, God is faithful and takes us to a new place of restoration and reconciliation with him. 
The same psalmist who started Psalm 10 off by lamenting his distance from God is the same psalmist who finishes that same psalm with the words, You, Lord, hear the desire of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. St. Augustine, the famous theologian and philosopher, wrote these words, You never go away from us, yet we have difficulty in returning to you. Come, Lord, stir us up and call us back. Kindle us and seize us. Be our fire and sweetness. Let us love. Let us run. Now, on Wednesday mornings, I do an assembly um, at the Vine. And some of you have children at the Vine, and the children might tell you what the assembly's been about. And this, and this Wednesday, I decided I would tease them. So I took him with me a box which had something in it. And I put this box um, on the floor at the front of the assembly hall and, and I ignored it for a bit. But every once in a while I would keep glancing back at this box which was covered up. And, and I came to the point of the assembly where I wanted to paint a picture of what might be inside the box. So I said to the 400 pairs of eyes who were by now very curious as to what was in my box. I said to them there might be a monster in there, or there might be a giant spider in there, or there might be something really good in my box. I don't know if I want to open it. And do you know that the strange thing is, we all agreed, it's not strange, it's just true, that the easiest thing to do would have been to leave the box there. Because in not uncovering the box and finding out what was inside, it was actually pretty easy. I could avoid a conflict with a giant or a spider. If young church were here, this would make sense, but, you know, thank you for playing along. <laughs> or I could find out something really good. But we kind of also agreed, and the 400 pairs of eyes staring at this box desperately wanted to find out what was in this box. So in the end, we decided that we had to have courage we decided we had to have courage to face whatever it was, good or bad, that was in that box. And so carefully we took the lid off the box and we peered inside. And inside there was something really, really good. It was the chocolate brownie that I'd elicited from 19 half an hour before the assembly started. So, you know, rather twee, but a good illustration that actually sometimes courage has its place in responding to situations that we face. The easy way for me would have been to leave that completely alone, leave the box there. I didn't have to face what was inside it at all. But courage motivated us to seek to find out what was inside and to respond to whatever it, it happened to be. And you know, there are times and, and seasons in our lives when the easiest thing to do is avoid making the decisions that we know to be right and good, that even we might feel a sense of the decisions that God is calling us to make in relation to our lives, but the easiest thing to do is to ignore him. Well, the problem with that is that God doesn't go away. And he keeps on challenging us and calling us back to that place of restoration and reconciliation into the better life that he has for us. Now, sometimes there's, there's, a, there's a purpose to guard in our emotions. Sometimes there's a, there's a purpose to not trying to take on too much at any one time. But sometimes, as I say, God calls us to have the courage 
to, to push forward and bring our emotions before him and ask for his intervention in our lives. When we do that, when we're prepared to be honest and open with God, when we're prepared to bear ourselves fully, we enable a real encounter to take place between us and God. That's authentic. That has the possibility of our lives being transformed by that encounter. So to Psalm 1, which begins not with a prayer, but with a statement, in fact, with a beatitude. The first verse of Psalm 1 goes like this. Blessed are those who do not walk with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. So verse 1 suggests what the blessed don't do. But then in verse 2 we read, But who delight in the law of the Lord, and meditate on his law day and night. So verse 1 tells us what the blessed don't do. Verse 2 tells us what the blessed do do. Let's see what verse 3 has in store for us. They are like trees planted by streams of water, which yield their fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. And today our theme is rootedness. And verse 3 paints that picture of this tree which has deep roots grounded in this living water that is Jesus Christ. And this tree bears good fruit in its season, and whatever it does prospers. It's an organic picture of life and fullness of it. Now, please note, I'm not seeking to delude anyone here with the myth that, that, that life with God is always easy. I would be attempting to delude you and manipulate you if I was to suggest that, and I'm not going to. My own experience of life with God is it can be hard. It can be hard to reconcile life and faith. It's a constant tension which we hold in balance as Christian people. And if we were to go out into the stories and testimonies of people in this room, we would find countless stories of of times when God has seemed distant, when life has seemed overwhelming, when, when things just seem to be going completely wrong. And also there have been times in this room where God has really blessed us, where we've, been, uh, where we've had thankful hearts and we've known the joy of life as well. And so I'm not suggesting that life with God is always easy. In fact, Jesus himself suggested that life with God was about the taking up of a cross. However, that verse 3 tells us um, about what verse 3 tells us about is not an easy life, but a rooted life. Rick Warren, who was the um, best-selling author of Purpose Driven Life and Purpose Driven Ministry, um, he's written several books, and from another book comes this quote, The more you pray, the less you'll panic. The more you worship, the less you'll worry. You feel more patient and less pressurized. The more you pray, the less you'll panic. The, mo- the more you worship, the less you'll worry. You'll feel more patient and less pressurized. And whilst I agree with the quote, it amuses me somewhat because this quote comes in the middle of a book called The Purpose of Christmas, a season when conventionally we feel pressure and panic in abundance. I know I certainly do. But where are your roots this morning? 
Where are your roots? Let me ask you the question in a different way. What grounds you in life? Is it prayer and is it worship? Is it studying the scriptures? Is it being part of the fellowship of a church? The message of the Psalms is that so long as we're rooted in prayer and worship and adoration of God, then we don't need to panic or be pressurized because, yes, doubt, fear, trust, joy, thankfulness, love will all shape our lives in different ways for different seasons. But God's love remains a constant throughout them. And in claiming the promises of Scripture, seasons will pass, but God's grace remains constant. I want to, um, to finish this morning um, by just having a few moments of silent reflection as we think about where our own roots are, the things that hold us in life, the things that ground us. Um, And perhaps think about which season you're in at this point in time. Are you in a good place or are you in a difficult and challenging place? And and where is God in that? Are are you seeking to involve God um, in the rawness and pain of the dark places and hold that before him? Or are you seeking to hide away from him and, 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 and just keep God at a distance? Where are your roots this morning? And after a few moments, if you, if you want to join in, I'm going to invite you to join with me in saying the words that St. Augustine gave us, which I referred to in the talk. Let's just keep a few moments of silent reflection. <laughs> 